The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Lord, I, I, I would pray for a powerful working as we look at your word, look at your truth, uh, needing that, needing your spirit to teach us and uh, convict us and show us uh, even why you brought us here today in your name. Amen. You may be seated. And I just have to clarify one thing before we jump into Psalm 100. Josh, wait a minute. You got bad ankles, so you're not going to ice skate? Seriously, if I'm going to get my 60-something-year-old self out there with my knees and ankles and hips, he's putting ice skates on, right? Uh, I don't care what it looks like. Uh, if we have to put him in the cart, if I'm going to do it, he's going to do it, and I'm going to do it. So you might want to come just to see that show right there. I, I'm pretty stiff, but Frances is pretty good. She's a regular, um, I can't even think of an ice skater right now. Who's the, who's the one that clubbed the other one? With the, anyway, well, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't think that's not the one I was going for, but uh, all right. Hey, we are going to continue. Oh, I should mention this, uh, especially if you're our guest today. Every time we have a fifth Sunday in the month, we invite the kids to come in uh, for church. So they're in here with us today. It's kind of a nice, it gives the kids workers a little bit of break, but it's also a nice way just to do family church together. Uh, once in a while, and we got everybody in here on this, the fifth Sunday. We have been going through a series on Psalms, and uh, we spent a couple weeks in Psalm 119. Last, night, last week, we looked at Psalm 139, and we are going to look at Psalm 100 today. When the kids are in here, I don't know, it, it, it puts me in the, uh, it brings back the teacher mode to me, okay, so I got to be a little bit of a teacher here. I got to pretend like you're in my classroom for a second. Uh, so, uh, so I want to start with this question, okay, we'll see if anybody knows this. Psalm 100, does anybody know who wrote Psalm 100? You can't Google it. I guess if it's in your Bible, you can look. Anybody want to give it a shot? Go ahead. Shout out a name. David. Good guess. Wrong. Uh, but that, that, that makes good sense. David wrote many of the songs. He's, he's known as the sweet psalmist of Israel. Uh, this song, actually written by, anybody else want to try? No, but good guess. No. No. Uh, no, actually by Moses. This one, yeah, yeah, look that one up. Uh, it's written by Moses, and we're going to dig into that song in a few minutes, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Psalms in general, uh, because as we've looked at it, they, the Psalms are not, you know, in like a chronological order or anything like that, and there are many different kinds of Psalms. For example, last week, there was a section in our Psalm that where David was kind of like, God, get my enemies, you know, God, defeat them like that. Uh, we have a name for those songs. They're called, here's a big word for us, okay? You ready? Imprecatory songs. Can you remember that word? Right? You three right there. Ready? Say imprecatory. Okay, good. When I said three, we got three people scattered through the whole auditorium. Man, to say that, right? But they're the imprecatory songs. Got to get it. Now, we also have uh, some psalms. We're going to look at one next week. We're going to look at Psalm 51, which is the most famous of a group of psalms. They're called the penitential songs. And you hear in penitential, you hear the word penance or repent. Uh, that idea, this is the psalm that David wrote after he was confronted by Nathan, and we're going to take a look at that uh, next week. In uh, two weeks, we're going to look at what is called a psalm of lament. Uh, 
And I wanted to mention that, uh, just, you know, lament, lamentation or crying or weeping or having a hard time. We're going to kind of explore what that looks like. And I'm excited about that. I think that could be very helpful for us. In fact, we're going to take the week after that, and we're going to have a guest preacher, if you want to break into applause. Uh, yeah, all right, somebody different. Uh, but uh, we're going to, I've asked the fellow who is the head of the Michiana Biblical Counseling Center to come, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about just processing grief. So that'll actually be on February 20th. Uh, Dave Hills is going to be here to tell us a little bit about his ministry, but also he's going to preach that week, and actually he has another lady that's going to help him a little bit just talk to us a little bit about grief and processing grief and lament and things like that. So anyway, we have songs of lament. We have song imprecatory songs. We have penitential songs. We have messianic songs. Messianic songs give us a preview of the Messiah by Jesus Christ. And you can see many times very clearly about his sufferings and things like that predicted in the Psalms. The Psalm that we're going to look at today, Psalm 100, fits into a different category. It is simply called a hallelujah Psalm. Okay, it is a song of praise, expressing expression to God. So that is what we're going to dig into. We are told that you can respond to God in one of three ways. You can totally ignore him. You can uh, abhor him. I have a hard time with that word, hate him. Uh, but it needed to go with ignore. Ignore abhor, or adore. That's pretty good, wasn't it? Uh, but, uh, but we want to work on the idea of adoring him as we dig into this passage today and see what that looks like from Psalm 100. Okay, where'd my little switchy thing go? Adam, did you steal my little switchy thing? I put it up here. What are you guys doing? Uh, and we know exactly what's going on here. Uh, don't, don't worry about that. Okay, so let's dig into uh, Psalm. I did put it up here earlier, didn't I? Or am I losing my mind? Don't answer that. All right. Uh, very good. We're going to go ahead and read through all, and then we're going to go, go back through it in little pieces here. But uh, Psalm 100 begins, and many of you might recognize this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth, or all ye lands, you might remember from the King James. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Now, again, we're going to go back and dissect uh, this nice little quick uh, short psalm of five verses and go through uh, this and begin with the idea that one of the things that we're instructed to do here is to worship passionately. In the first verse, you find the phrase noise. Make a noise, okay? Later on today, somewhere in Kansas City, uh, there's a football game somewhere around 3 o'clock, and they're going to put up on the board, make some noise, and people are going to go crazy and scream and everything, everything like that. But God says we are to worship him with noise. There are several places in Scripture where the worship is so intense it says the ground shook with everybody worshiping. So I want you to think about that idea of making noise, getting a little pumped up about things, and also the idea of singing, because that's definitely in there. Come before his presence with singing. Now, is worship confined to singing? Say no. No, it is not confined to singing. It should be a, a matter of our whole lives. However, we do not want to neglect the most frequently used method of praising God. In the, in the scripture that we see, which is singing. Jesus himself sang before the Lord several times. Uh, uh, scripture records that. So we want to talk about this whole idea of a passionate worship. All right, now, when I put that up there, though, you know, 
Uh, I don't know. Adam said you're, you're doing pretty good today. I, I never turn around and look. You know, I don't want to be conspicuous. You know, who's singing? Who's not? Sometimes I do have to turn around and see if anybody came because we start service and it's half empty. So I have to turn around just to make sure somebody came to church. Uh, but, uh, but I'm not really grading who's singing or anything like that. And that, that's not really the point I want to go with. But I, I, for some of us, honestly, we, we look at this and we say, okay, I, I, I'm not going to get into singing too much because I have a lousy voice. Okay. I don't know if any of you feel that way, but that is one of the excuses. Here's why I don't sing in church. I have a lousy voice. I want to suggest this to you. If God gave you a good voice, then you want to thank him for the gift, and you want to use that to praise him. If God gave you a lousy voice, give it back to him. Okay? That's what I do every week. God, you gave me this voice. Here it comes. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm giving it back to you with, with everything that I can. Maybe your, uh, your excuse is just more, you know, you're not really feeling it. Uh, you just really don't feel like singing. That's not your thing. I do want to suggest to you that God is not incredibly fond of secret admirers. Okay, God instructs us to praise him, uh, to, to do, do that well. Or maybe you just say, hey, I'm not that, that type of, I'm not that emotional type person. I'm not into that. But may I just read this quote that I read this week? He, uh, this question was asked, why must enthusiasm for the most worthy thing in the universe be something that we contain? Okay, now... So I want you to think about that whole idea of just involvement in worship. And I'm not a real preachy type, like some of you won't even sing. I'm not really like that. I know that we're all different and we're wired differently and not everybody even celebrates the same as a sporting event. But I do want to get that idea across that if there is anything worth, worth our passionate worth worship, uh, it is the King of Kings. Okay, if there's anything that is worth getting a little excited about, it is the King of Kings. Uh, I, I want us to, to go in that direction and remember that, that we can do that. Now, I'm going to, uh, I want to be careful here because I am not preaching for the next few minutes, but I do want to talk to you for a minute. I have to say that because I don't want you to think I'm attacking these things, but just for illustration's sake, there are a few aspects of worship that I have never liked. Okay, if I go in, I'm visiting a church, this is just me, don't amen, don't get excited. I never liked the, the, the smoke machines that are used in worship. I'm just saying, I said, don't agree with me. You don't listen to a word I say. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just, I'm not a big fan. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Another thing not crazy about is sometimes if you're standing there and they have the spotlights, and the spotlights are scanning the crowd the whole time, you know, so it's, it's going crazy uh, and everything like that. I'm like, eh, I'll go for this too much. I'm just saying. By the way, the, another thing, I'm not... I, I like clapping. I like it when, when we're clapping, praise God. Yeah. By the way, when we do that, make sure you don't do the old golf clap. You know, If you're going to clap to praise God, come on. Uh, let, let's go. But you know, I never like when you're obviously applauding people in church. I'm not, I'm not crazy about that. Hey, that was a good song. Uh, if we're applauding God, great. You know, like that. Those are just a little bit of pet peeves of mine. But, but here's why I want you to stay with me. I don't want to be the grumpy old guy who walks into church and I'm not going to sing because I don't like the way they're doing this. I, I really don't. I don't want to get into heaven and say, you know, here's the uh, glory of God, the mist filling the temple type idea. And there's this mist. I never like fog machines. Stink. <laughs> Let me out of here. Uh, you know, and the light is just way too bright. This whole Jesus is the light thing is just a little bit too bright. I don't really like that there. Oh, you know, the other thing I forgot, the other pet peeve I get into a little bit, again, don't amen, but the repetition you know, sometimes, you know, it's just the same line. In fact, Francis had on uh, Pandora or something this morning, there was a Michael W. Smith song. I wrote it down because I thought, yeah, that is a perfect example of that. The, uh, the song is called Surrounded, 
And uh, I hadn't really heard it before, but, but Michael kept singing over and over again. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yeah, just over and over and over and over. I was sitting there, you kind of kind of wait and see how long they're going to sing it. Can I say this? I do think though we get bored, I don't think God ever does. I think boredom is part of a fallen emotion that we have. And sometimes we might not like that, but I don't think God's going, stop saying holy, holy, holy. You start, I'm tired of hearing it. Uh, I don't think we ever get there. So I, I'm just saying, you know, I don't want to be the guy that is like standing, oh, I don't really like this. This isn't how I like to worship or whatever like that. And uh, I want it to be my goal as I get, and hold me to this, okay, to whatever degree. And you're, you're going to have to because probably, you know, we're going to be out wandering around as old people. Okay, uh, but, um, but hold me to this idea. I don't want to walk into church and, and look like, man, I don't really want to worship like this. I want to just jump in. If folks are worshiping and praising God, I want to do it. Uh, does, that, does, that, does that make good sense? Because we are called into uh, a worshiping passionately of our God. I, I realize there may be some things that would be deemed inappropriate in different cultures and, and everything like that in different cultures of churches. But bottom line is, He is worthy of our passionate worship. So kids, I'm going to give you four things you're supposed to say. Okay, kids, you are, I already lost you, but try, try to stay with me here. The first thing, we're going to worship God with our heart, okay? Passionate worship, we're going to worship God with our hearts. We're going to put a little heart into it. Now, when I say that, though, there is always a little bit of a fear that, uh, okay, then our, our walk with God becomes all about emotion. And to be sure, music is emotional, right? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can, I can go to a, uh, you know, an oldies uh, station, and pretty soon I'm raising my hand. <laughs> All right, uh, that's pretty good. I can, you can get excited, whether it's country music or, or whatever like that. You can, hey, it can move you. And we don't want our walk and our fallen God to be all about emotions, correct? However, we are emotional. So that can be part of it. But, and, and I want to say this too, anything as far as our fallen God can be based on emotions. And you want to be very careful of this too because preachers are going to use that too to manipulate people. Okay, there's a lot of preachers who don't believe that preaching the word of God and the, and the power of the Holy Spirit are enough. So we have to be creative and we have to kind of manipulate people. And you always want to watch that. And I say that again so that you'll hold me to that because I, you know, I don't want to be, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being creative and presenting things in different ways. But at the same time, if I'm all about, you know, how I can manipulate people with this story and everything like that, we don't want to go there because we don't want to be driven by emotion. So that moves us into our second point, And we want to separate the E there. And we want to move into motion, okay, because the, guy, the Bible says that we are to serve the Lord with gladness, okay? He wants to move us into motion. So the second thing we are supposed to do is we are to serve joyfully. We are to worship passionately. We are to serve joyfully. Now, God can use anybody. God can use the grumpy servant. Prime example is a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Jonah, Jonah was not real anxious to serve the Lord. Uh, in fact, I found a, a cool little outline about him. They said, uh, let's see, Jonah was, uh, he served under duress out of a sense of duty and after getting dumped out by a fish. Uh, and they, and that, that was his story. And God can use anybody. God can even use a grumpy servant, and God will do that. However, we are commanded to serve the Lord joyfully. And that, that doesn't always mean we're going to find something, okay, we're going to find something that makes us happy in serving the Lord. That, that's part of it. But sometimes we just kind of, I don't know how to say this, we just got to get happy. 
You know what I mean? Uh, we're always looking, well, I don't really like this. I don't really like this. I mean, sometimes it's like, hey, finally. Uh, preachers are like that. You know, maybe in this church it'll work. Maybe in this church it'll work. Hey, maybe you got the problem, buddy. And, uh, and okay, here's another area. And I like to say this because I want you to hold me accountable to, to this. I, I really do. I want you to have a pastor who likes to be here. Okay, I mean, I, I want you to have that. And as long as I'm here, I am determined that you're going to have a pastor who wants to be here, who can serve, uh, who can serve joyfully. And the reason I say that, and I, and I come back to that every, every once in a while, I don't have a ton of pastor friends. <laughs> I have a ton of friends, but, uh, but the couple that I have, like I have a couple guys, they've been in the same church for a while, but they are always scanning the Internet trying to find that next job. You know, we're, we're like that. In other words, they're always looking around and kind of exploring and everything like that. And I have a couple other guys that I know that are just holding on until they retire. I don't want to do either of those things. Okay, just so you know, Francis and I are pretty well, uh, we, we, you know, we got our house paid for and everything like that. I don't need to work here forever. I could probably get a job at Walmart at the greeter, at the greeter and I could be okay, so don't ever feel bad about cutting me loose. Don't let me just hold on to hold on. I want to serve here because I want to serve here and be faithful, and, uh, and, 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 and I want to do so joyfully. Okay, does that, that make a little sense? Because that is how I am called to serve. I mean, basically, I, th- I just think people are... You know, it is worth, uh, them, they deserve having somebody who actually wants to be there. Now, I don't mean to indicate, you know, when I say, uh, you know, I've said before, hey, if, I'm not, if I don't want to be here, you need to get me out of here, okay? If I don't want to be here, I need to get out of here. I don't want to indicate with that that, hey, if hard times come, I'm out of here. Hard times come, okay? Hard times come. I read uh, in our little devotional thing we've been going through in Genesis this, this week, you know, I read where Joseph talked about being fruitful in a season of affliction. And I thought, yeah, Joseph, first of all, he would know pretty much about that. Uh, but secondly, there are going to be times when, and that, that is why in a couple of weeks we're going to look at the whole idea of lamenting too, because that is a part, hard times come. But in the midst of that, uh, in the midst of that, that doesn't mean, you know, okay, well, I quit. You know, things are hard. It hasn't been like that for a second. I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to serve in the midst of, uh, of difficulty. So we, we are to serve the Lord with gladness. So we're serving the Lord with our hearts, kids. The second thing that we are serving, oh, wait, wait, I forgot. I was just excited about this before we get to the second thing. Here's a quote I found in this, Eric. Okay. He whom the religion of Christ has not made happy does not understand that religion, nor does he make proper use of it. Kind of a good quote, but it wasn't the quote that it had. Look who said that. This guy named Adam Clark. I don't, I don't know why I had to put that in there, Adam. I just saw that, and I thought, <laughs> no E, that's right. He, he has no E. And this guy died about 1846 or something like that, too. Uh, but I, I just kind of like that quote. Okay, kids, now the first thing, we are serving the Lord with our hearts. Secondly, we are serving the Lord with... Our feet. Our feet. Those are feet. Uh, okay, so, so in other words, we're going to actually do something, okay? It's not just emotion, though that can be part of it, but also we're going to move into motion. I thought that was a pretty good picture. Most of the feet I saw were pretty gross. These feet are moving. They're doing something, so I, I was pretty proud of that. Okay, let's go on. The third thing that we are to do is love him intelligently. Now, when I look at verse number 3, uh, it says no. It begins with the word no. What are we to know? That the Lord, He is God. He has made us. We are His. We are the sheep of, I'm sorry, we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. We are to know. So we want to serve uh, Him uh, 
joyfully, but we want to love him intelligently. And one of the things that uh, he begins with by saying, we are to know that he is God. Okay, the first thing we just know is his lordship. He is God. Those three words, I mean, let, let's be honest, are tough for us to digest sometimes. I mean, we, we really apply life, you know, uh, apply it to our lives. You know, we get a lot of times where we just have a hard time letting God be God. I know, I know that, that I do often. You know, I struggle with that. You know, basically, I don't like the way you're doing your job, God. Uh, it comes out of my heart. And, uh, you know, just to recognize, just to focus again on the idea that indeed he is God. I, you know, I mentioned, um, been going through uh, Genesis as we're reading through the Bible in a year and reading the story this week about Jacob uh, and just his wrestling with God. And I thought about how many times I wrestle and I wrestle with God until he wins. Okay. And finally get in a place where you win, God. You got it. I, I surrender. And uh, the first thing we want to do in worshiping his, him intelligently is know that he is God. And then he, uh, so we recognize his lordship. We also recognize his craftsmanship, for he is our creator. And, uh, yeah, I was saying our, uh, our home, we've lived in now for 22 years. And I'm not usually a very sentimental guy, but I got to admit, I'm going to have a real hard time leaving that home. You say, because of all the memories with the children? No, I can get over that. Uh, no, no big deal. The reason why I'm going to have a hard time leaving it, because after 22 years, I've built a lot of the stuff in there. Okay, I put the sliding back uh, glass door in the back, cut a hole in the wall, put it right in there, and I put that porch on there and a little pergola, uh, and the water slide. We don't have water slide. Uh, but, uh, you know, I took this wall out and everything like that. But basically, because I did that with my own hands, I'm going to have a hard time leaving that house someday. Wait a minute. I put this wall up here. I, uh, that, that idea. There is a great sense in which we belong to him for he has created us. In fact, we doubly belong to him because not only has he originally created us, but he has also purchased us back. So we are his. Uh, because of creation and because of redemption, we belong to him. We are the sheep of his pasture. So we know intelligently, we recognize his lordship. We recognize his craftsmanship. We recognize his ownership in our lives for we are the sheep of his pasture. The scripture talks about the fact that he is the good shepherd. But of course, Jesus says that. Hebrews tells us that he is the great shepherd. Uh, Peter, in Peter, we find out that he is the lead shepherd over all the other shepherds. He is the head shepherd. Revelation tells us that he is the eternal shepherd. He is the one that guiding and caring and uh, well, so we recognize that he is God. First of all, know this. If we're going to worship him intelligently, he is God. Secondly, he has created you, his craftsmanship. And thirdly, he owns us, his, his ownership in our life, and we recognize that. So, okay, wait a minute, I have a phrase I can't, oh, there we go. Oh, by the way, yeah, I got time for this. Um, somebody asked this question again this week, and this comes up from time to time. Pastor, somebody was talking to me, and they, and they asked this question, who created God? And when we talk about his, you know, him just being the creator, and I got thinking about this uh, this week more than anything. That is that is the question, actually. That's a good question for somebody to ask. Who created God? Because the answer is very simple. It is no one. God has always existed. But when you understand, when you ask that question, who created God, what you're saying is, I understand that there is something or someone who has always existed. And that's very scientific. Uh, something can't come out of nothing. Life can't come out of non-life. 
And when you ask that question, who created God, you understand that idea that there's something that has always existed, and indeed, God is that creator. And that's what the psalmist says. We're going to praise him for he is that creator. He is the one that gives us an answer to that, that question that nobody created him. He is the creator. All right, so wait a minute. Kids, wait, wake up again here. What's the first thing? We're going to serve God with our, what was the first picture? Heart. And now and then we're going to serve him with our feet. And thirdly, we're going to serve him with our brain. That's right. Uh, we got to serve him intelligently. That's a cool picture of a brain, isn't it? I was pretty proud of that. If you didn't like the feet, you got to like the brain. Okay. All right. Continuing on, though, there is, there's a fourth idea in our Psalm 100 that we want to look at, and that is we are to thank him continually. Okay, let me reread verses uh, 4 and 5 here. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Here's why I thank him, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures to all, I'm sorry, endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Uh, we were singing uh, just before, I think it was the last song we sang just before getting up here, but uh, give, give me faith. And it give me, give me faith, Lord, to believe that you are good, ties in here perfectly, that your love is great. And, uh, you know, in here we have your steadfast love endures forever. Some of you might remember, I, I believe the King James and some other translations, instead of love, it talks about his mercies there enduring forever. Um, both those ideas are contained in there, really. They're both solid translations that it's his mercy and his love. I am going to thank him because you, God, are good. Give me faith so that I can believe you're good when, it, when I'm having a strugg uh, struggle with that. Lord, that your mercies and your love have been poured into my life. Uh, and then it goes on to... Uh, that you never fail is what we sang, but the phrase here in Scripture is his faithfulness to all generations. Uh, again, in some other translations, instead of faithfulness, it uses the word truth, but it is the idea that I have that anchor. I hold on to him. I give him thanks. It is a sad thing when we lose this idea of thankfulness. And if, if, you know, if somehow I've lost you and everything like that, and you're like, boy, I don't really know how this applies to me, if you could just take this one idea, if this is not a part of your life, I believe that this would have a dramatic effect on your life. If you would make sure that at least once a week, if not once a day, you spend some time in thankfulness. Uh, <laughs> when Fra Fra Frances gets a little song she plays, stuff like that, this week it's been, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. It's a, it's a Chris Tomlin song, but I think Thomas Retton, Georgia, Florida, Georgia Line or something to do it. Uh, but she's playing in there, thank you, Lord. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. I think you will find this to be transformational. Okay, I, I mentioned this before, but I feel like I want to keep mentioning this uh, because when I am struggling mightily in my faith, in my walk, when I am struggling, it is incredibly beneficial for me to take that day and in my journal, do nothing but thank the Lord, okay, and go through like that. And again, it's not, not always the easiest thing to do, but I watch God change my heart. I see God change my heart and change my life as I do that. You know, I, I was thinking even, um, it's kind of weird, but when Danielle spoke last week, she talked about wanting to thank everybody. And my first result was, well, you don't need to thank everybody. And I'll still stay with that. Don't write all those thank you notes. Uh, but, uh, but at the same time, my first result, well, you don't need to thank anybody. But then I thought later, yeah, she does. <laughs> Not for us. We don't need it. But we need to always stay thankful. 
Uh, you know, I lived with a family member for a while that totally lost that word from her vocabulary, the word thankful. And, I'm sorry, thank you. And it's, it was hard to live with her, to be, <laughs> to be honest with you. She became very, you know, just entitled and nasty to live with. We want to always work to maintain that thankfulness. So even though we talked about this before, hold on a second, I, uh, kids. We've got, we're going we're gonna to worship the Lord with, uh, with our, we're going to worship the Lord with our, we're going to serve him, thankfully. We're going to worship our Lord with our, we're going to know that he is God. We're going to know his, his ownership in our life. And fourthly, we are going to worship our, the Lord with, and this really came up in the first one too, but we are going to worship him with our voice. We are going to express our thankfulness to him. Okay, we're going to say these things. We're going to speak the words, uh, indeed, that we are thankful to him. All right, so... Let me, let, let, let's play review. I told you I, I go into teacher mode a little bit when the kids are in here. Let's play review. Anybody remember who wrote Psalm 100? Moses. Pretty good. There. That's right. I believe he wrote like 10 different psalms in that section there, but that's the one that uh, is most attributed to him is Psalm 100. Uh, all right. Now, here's a tough question. Does anybody remember the psalms where like David was like, God, get, get my enemy. What were those called? Oh, way to go. Little Johnny, give that boy a dollar. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, a kid has a deep voice, but uh, but, but that, that's good. I, I wonder, did anybody else remember that in precatory? Remember that word? Okay, four people, good. Uh, so John deserves a dollar for that. Okay, how about next week we're going to look at Psalm 51 where David was saying, God, I blew it. Anybody remember what those psalms are called? Penitential, very good, very good. Okay, then a couple of weeks we're going to look at psalms of, uh, come out of a heartache and sorrow, songs of Lament, that's right. Today's song was what? Hallelujah. And then if a psalm is really pointing to Jesus Christ, that is what kind of a song? Okay, now I wanted to go back through that again because of this. The psalms are somewhat of, maybe more than I, more, more than I should just say somewhat, but they're like a prayer book for us. Okay, they're a prayer book for our lives. And we find these different kinds of psalms that is so important because those emotions, those feelings, those thoughts, those words, they're all part of reality. They're all part of a real relationship that we have with a real and living God, okay? That first of all, we know that our need for a Savior, and we trust Him for Savior, and we believe in Him. We know that there's heartaches, but we know that He is with us in those heartaches, and we cry out to Him. We know that there are times when we're crying out to Him to step up and fight our battles. We know there are times when we, we want to just stop and say, God, you have been so good to me. You've poured your mercies into my life, and, and your truth holds me as an anchor, and I want to praise you. I want to worship you for that. So having these psalms as part of our life. Oh, uh, by the way, I forgot. There are, there are definitely times when we need his forgiveness and we cry out to him and we repent and these psalms give us a, a measure of that. So as we go through this, uh, this passage of psalms, uh, you know, let me repeat again. I wanted to start this year with this idea of, again, just building into our, our, our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The psalms are so valuable in that. So if I can encourage you, um, 
just talking real candidly for a second, we started the year passing out these books on Bible reading. I hope you can stay with that. I hope if you've already fallen away, you'll pick it back up and say, I want to get back into a regular Bible reading program. If those didn't work and you need to try something else, find something online, I want to encourage you to do that. But more than anything, more than anything, I want you to uh, to just you know, make sure that you're getting in the habit of each day spending some time with the Lord. You know, I don't want to make it a legalistic type thing, you know, where, okay, man, if you skip a day, you're blown in and you're falling off the wagon and you know you're a waste or anything like that. I don't want to make it like that. I just I just know how much we need this, folks. We are facing, regardless of how you look at you know our, our time period we're in, in right now, we're facing a season of incredible pain that people are going through. Uh, the people that I know in my life are it it. it, it amazes me. I really don't know of too many who are facing financial hardship right now, but every other type of hardship imaginable that uh, I keep hearing about, uh, it, it seems to just be attacking families and everything like that. We're in a tough season. And I am so convinced that uh, the anchor of God's truth and God's spirit and, and that relationship with God in our life needs to be nurtured and strengthened so much more than ever. We're seeing many fall away. There's a purging going on, you know, that, the, you know, many are saying, hey, I'm not even sure I believe this anymore. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I thought, well, I've got to encourage you over and over again. So maybe more than anything today, let me back up to this again. What I want to say is this. If that has not caught on this year, if, you know, if getting into the Bible and getting into uh, spending some time with the Lord hasn't caught on, my suggestion to you today comes to, from the book of Psalms, and I want to really encourage you, you know, maybe take the month of February, which begins on Tuesday, and say, I'm going to read, <laughs> the only thing is February is a little short. Normally, I can tell you, uh, if you read five Psalms a day, you're going you're to get through it in a month. You might have to add a, add a couple more in there. But, you know, some of the Psalms are very brief like this, just five verses. Uh, you know, we get, you get a couple others that, that are lengthier. But it really is a prayer book, uh, that that we find there and if we can just take that time maybe hey you want even simpler maybe just say each day i'm going to take a moment i'm going to read a psalm out loud and kind of make it my prayer to god and work through it um <laughs> okay weird weird thought and this this isn't in my notes but just as i close out here okay this is really weird for me to even say this as a young man in ministry i have always dreamed of, you know, sorry, I think I look at Josh and his brother in ministry back there and stuff. I always thought, hey, what I want more than anything is to be part of a church that is just growing like crazy. You know, that'd be so exciting and so fun. I always really dreamed of that. And uh, there was a time, you know, when the ch church I was part of was, you know, pretty much seeing that. You know, I was in church once that doubled in, you know, like nine months. And, and uh, yeah, we had four people. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it was a good-sized church, and it doubled and stuff like that. And it was fun. But that had always been my dream. I feel more than anything, I think, uh, uh, just God's Spirit's leading right now, is that <laughs> this, what we're talking about now, is what we need more than anything. We need anchored in God's truth. We, we need anchored in, uh, and, and again, as far as church goes, okay, again, if there's a time when we do something goofy, you know, and we might, you know, we might you know, have a fun day or whatever like that and do something. But I don't ever want our ministry to be based on that. I want our ministry to, be, to believe that, hey, the Word of God and teaching the Word of God and His Spirit working in our lives is, is what we need. 
That's what we need as far, far as that's solid there. And God has convinced me or, or impressed that upon me, you know, more than anything. So my plead with you, my pleading with you, again, if you started with the Bible reading this year and it's the end of January and you've already fallen apart, hey, first of all, been there, done that. Uh, there's been many times in my life when I started something and didn't, didn't stay with it. I want to encourage you to get back on the horse or, or, or get back in reading the Word of God again. And maybe what you need to do just this week is just say, hey, this week, I'm just going to take some time and read a psalm out loud every day. I want to encourage you uh, to uh, know what it is to have a real relationship and a real walk with the Lord. Adam, I'm very sorry. I didn't say anything about this. Can we, can we, can we do a song at the end? Yeah, he's ready. Okay. Uh, we need it. And that'll give you a little opportunity to pray to uh, as we go through and maybe even think about what the Lord would have for you specifically to do from today. And if there is um, um, anything, honestly, that is like, boy, I, I don't even know what you're talking about there. And you're talking about this whole idea of Messiah, Savior, personal Savior. I don't understand it. Uh, I want you to know that every all the time I am willing and anxious to talk to you about that and say some more, uh, you know, just uh, what, what God's Word has to say about that and knowing Christ personally as your Savior. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.